Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Did you know everybody's going to live forever? Some people live forever in heaven, enjoying the blessings of Christ. The majority of people will live forever in hell, separated from God, but people last forever. And that's why a legacy that counts for eternity is one that is built around investing in the lives of other people. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Each of us is given a set amount of time here on this earth. Some people will get more time than others, but God expects all of us to invest the time and resources we do have into His kingdom. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress challenges us to use our lives to make an eternal impact. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. For the entire month of February, we've been looking at the fascinating life of Elijah, perhaps the greatest prophet who ever lived. He was a normal man who, with God's help, accomplished amazing things. And by now, I hope you've come to understand that God is in the business of using ordinary people, just like you and me, to accomplish His extraordinary purpose. You don't have to be a spiritual superman or superwoman to break free of the daily grind. So, here's the question. Have you identified your sweet spot in life? That is, where your interest and your God-given gifts intersect with God's purpose in the world? That's what our study during February is all about. And to help you take your next steps, I've written a best-selling book that's available right now. But time is running out. In fact, tomorrow is the last chance you have to take advantage of this offer. When you give a generous gift to support Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure you receive a hardbound copy of my book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. The subtitle is God's Seven Secrets for Success and Significance, along with a practical life application guide. We'll say more later on, but right now, it's time to get started with today's study. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. Today, I want to speak with you about living in a manner that will impact generations beyond your own. The title of today's message is How to Leave a Legacy That Lasts. Last time, we began looking at Elijah's seventh and final secret for living a significant and successful life. And that is this, successful people live their lives with the end in view. That is, they realize how short their time is here on earth, and they're thinking about and preparing for leaving a legacy that lasts. You know, everybody leaves a legacy after they're gone. Uh, Some people leave a legacy of wickedness. Think about Adolf Hitler. Even after he was gone, his legacy unfortunately continues even today. And yet the Bible says the legacy of the wicked, Psalm 1, will be like chaff that the wind blows away one day. It doesn't last forever. There are other people who build a legacy around their vocation or around material gain. People in the world of business or athletics or uh, entertainment, they think that is going to be their legacy. 1 Corinthians 3 says at the judgment seat of Christ, those things will be burned up as wood, hay, and straw. No, the only legacy that lasts is one that is spent furthering the kingdom of God. 
The best use of our life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. And nobody illustrates that better than the central character of our study, the prophet Elijah. Last time we said that to have a legacy that lasts involves three components. We have to embrace the right perspective of life, the right principle of life, secondly, and the right priority in life. Last time, we began looking at the right perspective in life, and we simply said people who leave a significant legacy realize that legacies aren't built on a single episode in your life, whether that's a success or failure. It's built over the long term, and that's why it's good every now and then to stop and look back at where you've been in life to see where you're going. Elijah did that on the final day of his life. He took his uh, protege, Elijah, around with him and pointed out key places in his past where God taught him important lessons. But secondly, and this is what we're going to look at today, building a legacy that lasts means that we embrace the right principle for living. And the principle is this. God measures significance by faithfulness, not by success. Let me say it again. God measures significance by faithfulness, not by success. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, God requires of a steward that he or she be found what? Faithful. That's what God is looking for. Not success. He's looking for faithfulness. Now, to understand what faithfulness is, let's contrast it to success. Today, when we talk about success, successful people, we're thinking about results that are instantaneous and visible to everybody. We talk about people who are overnight successes. By that measure, Elijah was a tremendous failure when you think about it. I mean, Elijah certainly was no overnight sensation. He spent years in hiding before people even knew who he was. As far as visible results, yeah, he had that episode on Mount Carmel, the battle against the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And for a few moments, he enjoyed success. It looked like there was going to be a great national revival as a result of his efforts. But quickly, the Israelites, most of them, turned back to worshiping Baal. And within just a few generations after Elijah died, what happened? Uh, Israel was overrun by the Assyrians because of their ungodliness. They were taken captive. And the few that remained ended up intermarrying with the foreigners that were in the land and became the Samaritans that the Jews hated. So by worldly standards, Elijah wasn't a success, but in God's eyes, he was significant because he was faithful. Let me give you this definition of faithfulness, because it's what God evaluates our lives by. Remember, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Faithfulness means consistently following God's calling for your life and leaving the results to him. Let me say it again. Faithfulness means consistently following God's calling for your life and leaving the results to him. Here's what faithfulness looks like in everyday life. A faithful worker continues to give his best efforts on the job, even when the boss shows little appreciation for your efforts. A faithful husband or wife continues to love his mate, even when that love is not returned. 
A faithful parent continues to pray for his rebellious child, even when that child's heart hardens toward the parent and God. A faithful pastor is one who continues to diligently preach the word of God in a church with declining attendance and critical leaders. By that measure, Elijah was faithful. Yes, he had that episode in the cave when he went and hid from God's calling, but that was one episode. His life was an example of what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. That's what faithfulness is. Moving forward in God's plan for your life in spite of the headwinds of opposition or little visible results. What does it mean to be faithful? Well, to be faithful means being willing to sweat the small stuff in life. And by that, I mean doing the little things with excellence that God has called you to do. It was the philosopher and theologian Jean Venier who said, one of the dangers in our world is wanting to do big things, heroic things, but the truth is few of us will ever do heroic things. However, we are called to do little things lovingly. That's what it means to be faithful, to do the little things that God has called you to do lovingly, faithfully. Jesus said the same thing in Luke 16, verses 10 and 11. Remember his words? He said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous money, who will entrust to you true riches to you? What Jesus was saying is this. He was talking in the context of money. He said, whatever money God has lent to you, because any money we have is just on loan to us from God. He said, money is a test. God gives us money as a test to see how faithful we are. And if we can't be faithful in the use of money, which to God is a very little thing, if we don't faithfully use that little thing called money, do you think God is going to give us true riches to oversee one day in heaven? What he was saying is the little things God gives us to do or to handle are a test to see whether or not we can handle the bigger responsibilities in life. And that's why we need to be faithful in doing those small things. Really, there are two reasons we ought to do the small things in life with excellence. Reason number one, small things, when added together, become big things. You realize that small things, when they are added together, uh, become big things. Um, sometimes somebody who is interested in writing a book will say to me, you know, Pastor, how do you write a book? And I say, it's very simple. One sentence at a time. That's how you do it. One sentence at a time. You know, if you're interested in writing a book, if you write just one page a day, in six months, you'll have a full-length book. Little things, when added together, become big things. Or here's another example. Did you know if a 22-year-old begins the discipline of saving $100 a month, just $100 a month, 
and never saves any more than that, but saves $100 a month. By the age he is age 70, by the time he's age 70, if he's earned an average rate of return, that $100 a month will have grown to almost $2 million. And if he's put it in a Roth IRA, he will have that money tax-free. Just $100 a month, no more than that. You'll have several million dollars. Little things, when added together, become big things. That's the same way in other areas of life. Just 10 minutes a day reading God's word. 10 minutes a day talking to your heavenly father. 10 minutes a day sitting and listening to your mate. Those small activities will yield huge dividends in your spiritual life, in your relationship over a long period of time. That's one reason to be faithful in small things. Small things, when added together, become big things. But there's a second reason for faithfulness in small things, and that is God uses small assignments as tests for bigger assignments. God will use smaller assignments as tests for bigger assignments. We just saw Jesus saying, How we handle the small things in life determines what we're going to do in eternity. But sometimes how we handle the small assignments determine the assignments we're going to gain in this life as well. When Amy and I were called to our first church in Eastland to pastor, I mean, we were very excited. It was a great experience. We enjoyed our time there, but there's one part of the assignment I did not enjoy, and that was Sunday night church. Now, some of you watching don't even know what I'm talking about with Sunday night services. But there was a time when many churches had services on Sunday evenings. And uh, usually only a fraction of the faithful came back for Sunday night. And, uh, you know, a lot of people said they enjoyed it, but most people voted with their feet and they stayed home. And uh, it was usually pretty anticlimactic at the end of the day, smaller choirs, smaller audience, and so forth and so forth. And uh, so a lot of people ended up dismissing Sunday night services, but we were keeping on with them in Eastland. And, uh, but it, it, it was a hard experience because I'd come back on Sunday nights and, you know, there might be a hundred people there kind of scattered throughout the auditorium. And my first thought was, if only a hundred people are going to show up, if they don't care any more than that, you know, why should I extend a lot of effort in preparing my messages? So I'm ashamed to say there is a period of time that I kind of sloughed off my Sunday evening message. I preached a warm over message from Sunday morning or kind of winged it and so forth. And I tell you, I dreaded going to Sunday night church so much. We lived in the parsonage right next to the church. I would stay over at our house until the very last minute. And uh, the people were just about as excited as I was. And uh, one day, the Lord really began to speak to me about my slothfulness. And he said, you know, Robert, if a hundred people are willing to show up to hear God's word, shouldn't you give it your best effort? And so I decided to start pouring myself into Sunday night. And I decided to announce a preaching series on the book of Daniel. I'd never preached through the book of Daniel. It's a complicated book of the Old Testament. But I announced a preaching series on Daniel. I gave it everything I had. And it was interesting. The crowd started to build on Sunday nights. And people from the community who didn't have Sunday night services started to come. I made it all the way through Daniel chapter 4. It has 12 chapters. I made it through Daniel chapter 4. 
until the pulpit committee of a prominent church, First Baptist Wichita Falls, one of the most prominent churches in our convention, called me to be their pastor. And later on, the pulpit committee told me one of the main reasons they called me. They said, you know, one Sunday, we had this list of preachers we were going to go hear. So after Sunday morning, we got in our airplane that we were flying around on, and we identified a church, a much larger church, that we wanted to go to to hear the pastor. We called ahead and found out that uh, that pastor was out of town that day, so we crossed that off our list. And then we went to the second one on the list, and we called that church, and they said they no longer had Sunday evening services. And we went down to the list. You were last on the list. <clears throat> that made me feel really good. And so we called ahead and asked if you were going to be there. And they said yes. And so we came Sunday night. You didn't even know we were there. And we came and we said afterwards, you know, if a pastor is going to give that much energy to a Sunday night service, there's no telling on what he would do on Sunday morning. We want him as pastor of our church. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes God uses small assignments to prepare us for bigger assignments. Faithfulness in little things sometimes leads to bigger things. That's exactly what he is saying here. You know, my sister asked me an interesting question the other day. She said, Robert, if you got word like our parents did that you only had a few months to live, how would you spend those final months? That's a great question. What about you? If you found out you only had a few months to live? Or if like Elijah, <laughs> you found out you had one day before God took you to heaven, how would you spend those last moments here on earth? Would you quit your job? Would you liquidate your bank account and go on an exotic trip? Would you fall into depression or drink yourself into oblivion? How would you spend those last moments here on earth? Notice what Elijah did. Elijah spent the last day of his life, 2 Kings says, doing what he had always been doing, faithfully fulfilling the assignment God had given him, pouring into the life of his protege, Elisha. Those who want to live a life of significance value faithfulness in small things until the moment God calls them home. Are you being faithful in the assignment God has given you? Here are some great questions to ask yourself, even at the end of every day, to see if you're being faithful. Did I tell and show my spouse and kids that I love them? Did I do my job honestly and to the best of my ability, giving my employer a full day's work? Did I demonstrate care and concern for my neighbors and coworkers? Did I take time to express gratitude to God and others for the blessings in my life? Did I take my anxieties to God and leave them with him? Did I try to glorify God in my thoughts, words, and actions? You know, these are questions that apply to all walks of life, whether you're president, pastor, a homemaker, a student, a salesperson, these are good questions to ask to see if you are truly being faithful. Successful people, significant people, are people who understand the principle that God values faithfulness more than he does success. Third and finally, successful people not only embrace the right perspective and the right principle, they also embrace the right priority in life, and that is people. 
significant people build their lives around other people. I um, remember that when Amy and I were in high school, we had an assistant principal named Ernest Kelly. And Mr. Kelly had a great question that he would ask students just randomly as he would see them in the hall to help them determine what their vocation should be. And Mr. Kelly would always ask this question. He said, tell me, which do you like best, working with things or working with people? Things or people? That's a pretty good question, especially for a student. Well, if Elijah had been asked that question, he wouldn't have hesitated for a moment. His answer was people. He believed that people mattered. And you know, when you think about it, everything in this world is one day going to be burned up, 2 Peter 3 says, before the new heaven and new earth. Everything's going to be destroyed. The only thing that lasts for eternity are people. Did you know everybody's going to live forever? Everybody. doesn't matter whether you're a Christian, a Buddhist, a Muslim, an atheist. Everybody lives forever. Some people live forever in heaven, enjoying the blessings of Christ. The majority of people will live forever in hell, separated from God. But people last forever. And that's why a legacy that counts for eternity is one that is built around investing in the lives of other people. Throughout this series on Elijah, I've talked about one of my two mentors in life, Dr. Howard Hendricks from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's now in heaven. But uh, Prof, before he started teaching at the seminary, had a short stint as a pastor of a small church in Fort Worth, but it didn't last long. I asked him one time, Prof, why did you give up being a pastor? He said, it's simple. I got tired of refereeing who could and couldn't have a key to the church kitchen. And... Uh, Life's too short for that. I, I have a feeling there's another reason. He understood that the best way to have a legacy that lasts would be to influence the influencers, to teach and train preachers. And when you look over his 40 plus years of teaching, some of the people that have come through his classes and all claimed him as a model of ministry, Tony Evans, David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll, Bruce Wilkinson. There's no telling how many millions of lives were influenced because of Prof Hendricks' faithfulness in investing in people. I'm sure that my former mentor, Howard Hendricks, never dreamed that his legacy would extend for generations. And now men and women all over the world are reaping the benefits of his faithfulness to God's calling. Well, that's what Pathway to Victory is all about. This ministry exists to lead people into a life-changing encounter with God's Word in order to help them identify their life's calling as well. For that reason, I want to send you a guidebook to help you discover your own sweet spot in life. It's my book titled, Choosing the Extraordinary Life, and it comes with a life application guide to help you apply this teaching personally. Both the book and the application guide are yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Thanks for your generous gift, because we'll deploy whatever amount you give to Pathway to Victory in order to help people stretch for God's best in their life, just as you have. Not long ago, I heard from a listener who encouraged me so much. She writes, 
Pastor Jeffress, the daily radio messages I hear on Pathway to Victory are so clear and easy to understand that I can actually apply what I've learned in my daily life. My mother suffered from a terminal illness this year. Your truthful teaching helped my mom and me face her death with peace regarding her salvation and her graduation to be with our Lord. Well, thank you so much for taking time to write that encouraging note. Your story is an encouragement to all of us, especially those who are investing financially in the ministry of Pathway to Victory. It's good to know that our gifts are truly making a difference. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we're going to say thanks by sending you a copy of the best-selling book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the Life Application Guide. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you the complete Choosing the Extraordinary Life teaching series on CD and DVD. Now, today and tomorrow are your last opportunities to request these resources, so don't put off calling any longer. One more time, our phone number 866-999-2965, or you could go online to ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, here's that mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Be sure to join us Tuesday for the conclusion of our series called Choosing the Extraordinary Life, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. To learn more, go to ptv.org.